the new Parkway Theater, where good food, diverse entertainment, and community create a place for everyone. For showtimes and special events, check out www.thenewparkway.com. You are listening to High School where real talk is our vernacular. I probably gonna tell him, don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. And then here's the thing, if you in boxing and your name's Sugar, and you ain't a boxer, man, give up that nickname, dog, you a corner man. You know, I got another corner kind of shout out. To Sugar, whatever his fucking name is, <laughs> uh, you can't have a nickname as a corner man in boxing. And Mario Stewart didn't have a corner. Boudini Brown, what, maybe Boudini wasn't his first name. Cuss D'Amato, he was cuss. You can't have a nickname Sugar, when there's too many boxers named Sugar. We had Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar maybe, Ray maybe, Leonard, maybe he was Sugar a boxer. Shane, Sugar Hill. Sugar Shane Mosley. If you didn't cut as a boxer, take Sugar out your nickname, right? <laughs> Let's think about the Sugars that was in movies. Wasn't there a Sugar? Uh, well, there was Ray? a Sugarfoot. There was a Sugarfoot, uh, the singer. And don't forget, there was Sugar in uh, in Harlem Nights. That was wasn't that a uh, Richard Pryor name? Sugar Ray's. He was Sugar Ray. Club in, Sugar Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about Sugar in the color purple? Sure. <laughs> that was a good nickname. And none of them were corner man. Oh, Captain P Funk, what's up? Right, I'm in here. I was trying to turn down the nigga shit in the background. <laughs> It's literally just stoner, and he'll come back here and scream. Pedro's always got something going on in the household, so every once in a while he might you might see him get up from his church pew and walk away, but don't mind that. He'll be back. All right, well, uh, why don't we go ahead and start the show? You know, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the dot com. Fuck Twitter. We got banned, but whatever. It's all good. Um, how did you also- get banned from Twitter? It's we've been banned. I couldn't help it. I had to say a joke and I called Shaq a Negro. It's not fair. It is what it is. I don't know. What's real? Do you think that me making a joke saying this Negro and then making a joke about what he looks like, not saying anything like what John Gruden said about Demora Smith, just saying this Negro got a crazy hairline. Is that is that is that something to get banned for? Apparently. <laughs> okay, apparently it is. I gotta. I've learned. I've been looked down on the Twitter database and looked down <laughs> agreements of what you're supposed to be doing there. I'm sure there's been worse things that have been said on Twitter that have not gotten people banned. I'm pretty sure of that. I also called, uh, made fun of Drake, you know, because uh, that would have won you a reward in my house. An award <laughs> to make it not the, not the first thing, not the shack they in front of the Drake. Drake, yeah, yeah, getting on Drake, you know, because you know Drake is the is the greatest ever right now. Apparent, apparently, Aaron. One day, maybe you can meet Drake and we can have a sit down. Aaron, Aaron is triggered by Drake, by the way. Just to let you I rather, know, I rather, I rather meet Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we'll have a lot more to talk about than me and Drake. We have a lot more in common. I have more in common with Stalin than I will with Drake. <laughs> Hopefully we will uh we'll get to the bottom of it one day, Aaron. We'll get to the bottom of it one day. Um, you can also catch us. If at- I had a, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and pull. You remember, wasn't that Brandon Lee that accidentally got shot by? It was supposed to be a blank, and it was a real bullet. Yeah. I would pull that on Drake and Degrassi. 
<laughs> he will really be in a wheelchair. Uh, he can still have a rap career. He can still have a rap career. He just can't do some stupid ass dancing during the, during the beginning of the pandemic. Are you Batman, trying to... Batman need more attention, more more attention than a Kardashian. <laughs> he might be a Kardashian. He might be the. He might be a secret Kardashian. You never know. <laughs> he do look kind of like Rob Kardashian, a little darker, slightly, slightly more complexion to him. What's real? Uh, uh, you going on tour with Drake anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> if you see me on this podcast, probably not. <laughs> Don't worry. I must uh, have a disclaimer for this podcast. We might ruin careers. So just Drake, Drake can't take you. He wouldn't take you because you too real for him. Yeah. You too real. Drake need a bunch of fake people around. Disclaimer, all views and opinions uh, expressed on this show, not voiced by what's real, are not his own. Okay, so Drake, me, Drake, you are too real for Drake. <laughs> Only way Drake could take me and you on a, on a tour is I got to go out and get a Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> you can also catch us at patreon.com at patreon.com backslash high score 510 and uh, catch all our uh, content that is too hot for the proper show and um, some of our feature conversations. Aside from that, we are here with this is uh, AG3. Uh, coming at you straight live out of Oakland. Uh, faster than the cop car was just driving by a second ago. If you black a skin and full of sin, come forward. All right. And we are here with. Hello, everyone. It's everybody's friendly truck driver, Captain P. Funk. Coming at you faster than uh, BNSF Railway doing their work. Uncle Jimmy tell you a duck and pull a truck. You better hook him up. And we are here with our special guest of the day, uh, our featured guest. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. What's up, everybody? I'm Austin Real, straight out of San Francisco, Bay Area, California. He a man. He is a man. What's Real is a man. Not from South Central. From SF. From SF. And my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of that Tink Tink the Silence. So it's just Jart. I'd take him home, but I have a dog. All righty. Well, uh, how's everybody doing today? Well, I'm tired. I don't know about everybody else. I'm wore out. Pedro is our resident truck driver, so sometimes he 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 pulls he pulls some loads at you know uh, early hours uh, of the morning and and whatnot. But uh, Pedro, man, y- you look rejuvenated. I got to give you that. You were at a wedding in Sedona last weekend. You was playing spades, getting turned. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, how'd that go, man? You've been, you've been, you've been uh, off the last couple weeks, but we just want to check back in with you. How you been? Oh, it's been good. Last, last week was a real good weekend. Got to spend it with some quality people. Uh, it's always good to be around people that's level-headed. Um, got away for a little bit. Um, as much as I rant about marriages on this podcast, uh, went to a wedding and it was a nice little wedding. Um, good friend of the neighborhood and people I know, he got married and asked me to be part of his wedding. So we did that. Um, watch a family begin. So it was, it was all good. We had a, we had a good weekend last weekend. And then you got back to the grind. And right back to the grind. I didn't recover until Wednesday. I had so many ribs. <laughs> I had the itis for three, for uh, three or four days. <laughs> That's some good ass ribs. That's on one rib. 
we're here with our special guest today. What's real? We want to learn more about who you are and what you do and how did you come to be where you are in this moment in time. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, your hip hop career and uh, what was, you know, what was one of the, you know, culminating moments that, you know, made you realize you wanted to pursue this professionally? Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like raising and nonprofits to, to some extent, you know, I, I went into a nonprofit I now work for, Beast Farms of Life, which uses hip hop as therapy uh, when I was 17. I've been like rapping a few years before that, um, but that's kind of what made me feel more connected and want to take it to more of like a passion to something I was a little bit more serious about. So from there and being in uh, Youth Numeral Records and being right, like mentored by people like Ryan Nicole, uh, KV, Dose One, that kind of like, I instilled a lot more sense of community. And I was still kind of going back and forth on it for a while, whether or not I wanted to take it seriously. Um, and it was actually like, to a point of like great depression, but what actually really clicked, what clicked for me and like really made me want to take it more seriously and be more active. Um, I was listening to g Easy um, on the radio. And it was like one of his first singles that came out was when he was like first like blowing up. And I actually went to high school with G-Eazy. And I only say that to say, like, I remember, like, him in high school. I remember how long it took for him to get to where he is, to where it took to, for him to get to that moment. I remember how hard he worked. I remember the dedication. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to, like, even consider taking this seriously, I have to just, like, you know, stop messing around and really just chase after this because I always, always remember what if, if I don't. So you went to Berkeley High also? Yeah, I went to Berkeley High. Yeah. I'm, I'm went there too. my way to Berkeley. <laughs> there too. Uh, you know, I, I allegedly, I, allegedly, I was, I was an ambassador. I was like a, 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 a Berkeley High, uh, what is it, a Berkeley oh. High alum emeritus. I was given the status of Berkeley. He tell High. people he go to Berkeley High. He tell people like, went to Berkeley like High. If, like if uh, Berkeley High was Wu Tang, you were a red man. Yeah, maybe. So like man, that might be worse than that. It's worse than that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you were exactly right. You hit it right you're on the head. Like, 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 I just said it. Berkeley High, but it's like you were close enough to go into Berkeley Hall at the time and being around Berkeley High. It's like, well, you kind of went to Berkeley High. That's yeah. exactly how it is. It just said it, Obi, what you said. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> how it is. The majority of my college friends went to Berkeley High. Uh, Everyone thinks he went to Berkeley High because of uh, who he hang around. Where'd you, where'd you actually go? Uh, the Athenian School. Shout out sponsorship. That sounds like Kate Hudson's leg wear, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> much more, much less a high school. <laughs> it's what's her name? Uh, who is it? Gwyneth Paltrow's new, uh, <laughs> new brand of <laughs> that's what brand of like. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, I, yeah, I, I grew up around. I was in, around downtown Berkeley all the time. Also, my parents worked uh, in and around downtown Berkeley. So uh, every summer, I was oh. down there at the at the downtown Berkeley Y. You know, with Delroy Lindo. You know, hanging out and then uh, kicking it in that little park where it seems like. Anything you want to do illegal, you can do there, even though the police right across the street. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like kids mm. cutting class, smoking blunts. I'm like, they in the park, police. Please just drive by. Like, ain't no big deal. <laughs> they wearing a SpongeBob backpack. They ain't adults. <laughs> so GEZ was somebody who you, you know, drew some inspiration from um, as seeing him in, in his career arc. You've stated that, you know, mental health is something that's it's big and and um, you know, you you rap about it in in some of your pieces. You you know, it's it's at the forefront of what your you know what I'm saying your your art is 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 touching on. Um, yeah. What is it uh, within like 
the mental health scope that, you know, really like, you know, inspires your work or, or in which ways has that, you know, truly influenced your work? Um, I think mental health and music is like, helped me understand my life better. So it's just like wanting to like, um, return the favor. Like I remember like the first mental health focus, like hip hop album I remember. And I think it, and I, I honestly think he, he's probably one of the most responsible for this trend in mainstream hip hop, it, it, you know, it's, it's definitely like a growing trend. I wouldn't even call it like a main trend, but a growing trend is uh, Kid Cudi's like Man on the Moon. And like in his, like that album helped me feel like, it helped me understand my life. So it's like, I wanted to, you know, slowly incorporate that into my music so that, you know, hopefully I could offer that experience to someone else. Also just something I'm knowledgeable about, you know, I've been in, uh, now work for Beast Farms Life using hip hop as therapy and, you know, in the therapeutic framework. Um, and learning clinical skills and clinical knowledge for close to 10 years now. So it's also something I feel like I have a lot more uh, expertise and just knowledge around um, versus like average rappers. So it's just, it's easier for me to draw from it just from. Uh, so you've worked in the mental health field too. Man. Yeah, yeah, BRL, Beast Farms Life. We have uh, a nonprofit that I work for. It's uh, based in Oakland. Um, it's the one that I was a part of when I was a youth that, you know, I mean, more serious. Jeezy was part of it briefly, but yeah, working there. I mean, you know, they, they give us clinical skills. It's not just like, Hey, you know, like we're going to have you guys rap and that's going to be therapeutic. There is that element, but it's also like much more intentional about like using therapeutic curriculum, uh, meeting with counselors, understanding like treatment plans, understanding like different diagnosis and just genuinely just through, you know, working with youth and, you know, kind of self-reflecting with my supervisors that have a psychological background, you know, he was kind of, in depth, get uh, start to gain that intuition and skills to be able to be more like emotionally intelligent and reflective on like you know uh, how people are presenting and what's going on with the psyche. Yeah, first of all, shout out uh, Kid Cuddy from Cleveland, Ohio, ain't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to uh, the music today, how it seems like we sell. I guess the mumble rappers, or what's your opinion opinion on mumble rappers today? Um, first, I, mean, I got a follow up. I feel like with any type of music, you got to know what what your intent is. You know, if your intent is like for people to have fun and like you know just make party music, make the best party music you can. And if you got to mumble on it, you know it's probably not going to make a big difference for the people that enjoy it. If people enjoy it, if your intent is to enjoy it. If their intent is to enjoy it, they'll feel like mumble rap. You know, as long is this, you know, for that enjoyment, that's fine. You know, it's not something that I'm going to like personally listen to. I don't personally like a lot of mumble rap. It's like, it's right, not what do you resonates so, with me. Okay, so what do you think about the guys, this new style? It seems like they're just rapping to generic uh, Casio beats and they kind of rap off, like you can hear me, kind of rap off beat on purpose. I don't know what they call that. It's, it's a name for it. It's basically like they're snapping it's kind of like they're skipping a the beat or rhyming or putting their words over, um, I guess, I guess it overlaps with the rhythm of the beat. I mean, just mostly like they're just talking. <laughs> yeah, like Silt just, the Shocker? Kind of like Silt the Shocker. Um, Blueface? But Blueface is the very, <laughs> about, very personal. Talking about like conversational raps, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm not personally a fan of Blueface. Okay. I feel like the trend in hip hop is, you know, is. You know, it's going to be the trend with like a lot of things for every action is equal and opposite reaction. So for as much like party music and mumble rap 
and all these things that we have seen in one direction. I feel like we're also seeing people like, you know, J.I.D., Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, and people under them, you know, Dreamville. Griselda's uh, been making the big waves. Okay, I'm not, I'm not familiar with, I used to be a, I used to dig in crates. So I would follow a lot of underground hip hop. Like we had, who was it, Jay Lately on the show? Yeah, 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 Jay Lately. Yep. Shout out Jay Lately. Shout out um, Jay Lately, sponsorship. I always bring up the underground, but I yeah, honestly, I yeah. haven't, I haven't been following because it's so hard to get, follow all these cats, all these new cats. And you try to catch up with everybody and you kind of get lost on who's who and what's crew, what crew is what. You only hear about the mainstream guys, like you said, um, G.I.D., uh, J. Cole. I like the female no name. And also there's another one, I guess, I think her name is Britney. No name's dope. Rhapsody's dope. Oh, Rhapsody's one of my favorite. Yeah, y'all got a lot. Y'all got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> Here it comes to Rhapsody. She ain't a rapper, but sister's dope. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of local okay. dope female rappers. Ruby Ibarra, Kayla Love. What do you think about sampling or being creative, making your own music? I think sampling is okay. I mean, I think the issue is 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 it just runs into certain issues. So like it becomes. Mm -hmm. So I think you're okay sampling. It's just like, but you know, so it's okay to sample. But if the record blows up, you might be in, you know, it might be a situation. It's okay to sample, but if you want to license it somewhere, you're probably also going to run into some issues. Uh, but if you're just putting out a record, you know, just for it to circulate, and, you know, gain some numbers and gain some fans, as I feel like most people are doing, then you're probably going to be fine. Well, I guess uh, talking about sampling, uh, you know, I heard uh, one of your songs, uh, was it Love is Light? You sampled a little Sam Cooke in there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Right on. See, I was I was listening. I was listening in, and I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, did it change up channels on me? I was like, got a little sample on here. <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes like it's like a little surprise in there because the whole album is kind of like it's a, it's got a very somber tone to it. So, but that part definitely like I feel like is a change in the trajectory, the sonic trajectory, of soundscape for sure. You have an album that just you just dropped. Um, yeah, what's the name of the album? album? The dark album. Yeah, the okay. dark album. And uh, I guess a question about that album um, is so you had the the Love Is Light song I like that I was just I think Hope uh, was it Hope was hopeful. another one yeah hopeful. hopeful that one I like I like yep. that one that was cool in in you know constructing this album from the production side to the lyrics side are you involved in the you know producing and making of the beats or are you you know working with different producers to then you know put your lyrics on um, you know some of them was just kind of like shopping around some of them like i had a very intent you know i work with um for the uh, love is light you know as you mentioned it like rx and i kind of gave him like the concept i was like hey you know i want this sample i want this to be the hook i want like you know maybe this part for the intro so it gave some directional feedback or, or direct direction for the production uh for that beat and it's kind of similar to like one other one uh, Dark Days uh, featuring uh, Cassie and the homie uh, Defy out in New Mexico. Dope, uh, dope, dope rapper. Um, my homie Tope was make, uh, well, had a beat already made and then we already used, but, you know, Tope was um, telling me that, like, hey, man, like, this beat's not, like, it doesn't really fit, like, the vibe of the rest of the album. I was like, all right. So I kind of took that feedback. It's like, hey, man, like, you know the vibe. Like, I'm trying to go for this, right? You know, for this album you've been engineering. So, can you make me a new beat? So um, we went like one, two times and it, it didn't quite get there in the third and final time. Like I, I think I was able to kind of give 
enough direction and we were kind of like more on the same page by that point that he kind of understood and yeah so i had a bit of a hand in that one how that one turned out as well i always wonder about like the the components of building the song out with the artists like you know yeah. i know some people would just go find beats and you know purchase them from a from a producer um or they'll work directly with the producer i guess and it sounds like you know saying you have a lot of input and in, you know kind of the direction of the sound and even some of the samples they may use so that's yeah like yeah you know i definitely do do the sometimes like oh yeah that's the beat i want or like oh i have like a concept in mind that beat works or sometimes like i'll just hear a beat and be like i don't know what concept i have but that sounds too perfect for what i'm trying to create here or, or for this song that i have in mind so okay yeah. all right what- was there a theme or some kind of inspiration behind this uh, new album, Dark Album? Yeah. Well, Dark Albums is, you know, it's definitely, like, conceptualized around darkness, around last few years when I lost my aunt, and that, like, kind of, like, really was, like, a heavy thing for me. Also, just my own exploration of my own trials and tribulations and trauma and processing that, and wanting to also be more... You know, I've been vulnerable in records before, but even, you know, challenging myself to be even more vulnerable and challenge myself to focus even more on mental health for this for this album. Uh, kind of, you know, work through that process. Okay, okay. Right. Sure. Dope. And, and, and you are, you're Hoppa, right? Yep, uh, part Japanese. Part Japanese, okay, okay. Oh. There we go. Shout out to the Hoppa, my Hoppa brethren sponsorship. I'm I'm half Chinese, so, you know what I'm saying? I'm the, I'm the resident Hoppa oh. on this show. We talking about I'm Hopper too. <laughs> I'm half black, half amazing. <laughs> well, I'm I'm also mixed. There you go. I'm mixed. My my mom is black and my dad black as hell. <laughs> question of the day, question of the day, and it comes from uh, RCO two, and I guess his question was. In regards uh, about the new Dave Chappelle, The Closer, in the last article I've sent you, the lady says several times that she doesn't know what's in Chappelle's heart about if he hates trans people. But the through line of every article and headline is that he's saying transphobic things. His turf acknowledgement, probably closest trans thing I've read. Uh, To us non-trans people, do these seem to be transphobic statements or jokes? To me, they sound like more like observational annoyances he has had about the community. What do you guys think about the new Dave Chappelle stand-up uh, on Netflix? And for us, with you know, as I'm assuming what's real, you're not trans. Um, none of us on the show are trans. Um, but um, in in your assessment of the the special, um, do you? I find was gonna to- make I was gonna make a bad joke, and then I decided I didn't want to be canceled. <laughs> are you uh are, are we are are you or any of us famous enough to get canceled uh, pedro already canceled in the bedroom by his wife so i mean been canceled been canceled there so i mean you can be canceled and i'm out here i'm out segment i'm out here buying it now just because you ain't famous don't mean you can't be canceled he got canceled in the bedroom you know i got canceled some people get canceled they can't go buy the milk they want in the store they want <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Are these uh, are these jokes and comments in Dave Chappelle's stand up uh, in your assessment? You know, are they transphobic or wh- 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 what did you think in general about the actual stand up? Well, did everybody watch it? I watched it. I watched, I watched all it. of it. Oh, yeah, everyone. Everyone here has watched it. Yeah. And. And I just think anything Dave Chappelle was going to say about any joke, you know, 
what's going to be real, but people are not separating entertainment from real life. In in the comedy sketch that he was talking about real life, I think a lot of people just took the parts that they wanted to take and wanted to be outraged about it. But if you actually listen to the whole stand-up, he's actually talking about a good friend of his. I'm not going to ruin it because everybody needs to watch it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody on the podcast. You need to watch it and understand it and see the comedic genius he was doing about somebody's real life. Everybody is so, I don't know where the sensitivity came from. But if y'all grew up in time, me and Aaron grew up, and was that sensitive? <laughs> then they would have been in trouble. They would have never made it. Very, really, oh my <laughs> God, you guys would. Oh. They would have never made it. <laughs> hey, for our younger audience, I don't know where this is coming from. But sometimes I get on my son about this, and I'm like, yeah, we weren't that. Man, yeah, we couldn't be that sensitive. You couldn't. You couldn't be. Sensitive. You wouldn't have made it not, through middle school, elementary, okay. or high school. Okay, it's it's very important. This is what we didn't have, and I, I know that uh, it's real. You work with mental health, so we didn't have a lot of mental health uh, outs. It wasn't like really counseling. Only counseling we got was from one side, one perspective. Bring white Jesus in your life to feel. You've filled all those spaces that are missing in your life. You just bring Jesus and everything and fix everything. Praise white Jesus. That's what we were taught when we were growing up. You would just hope and pray that life didn't basically end your life. <laughs> we was we was facing we was facing the streets. So now for everybody to be offended, there's even people that's non-trend, not even in that community talking about, hey, he went too far. And I'm like, boy, did you listen to Eddie Murphy at all? Did you listen to Richard Pryor? Did you listen to any of the guys in the past? This is bringing the white comedians in. Did you listen to uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield? Um, shoot, any of the, any of the safe? Car yeah, George, George Carlin. George um, Carlin. I'm talking about the safe comedians like, like the guys that you see on TV. Uh, uh, Bob Hope. Bob Hope. Those those guys went hard on the gay community. Oh yeah, I mean hard. And yeah, I'm like, you bring it. You talking about safety as well? I mean, he's talking, uh, literally talking about his friend, and his friend's life, and some of the things that had changed his mind. And people just get sensitive about everything. They, it's it's clickbait. You know, basically, you get you get to a, a, a part or just one section he says, and everybody's offended. And that's what I really hate about the internet. Uh, I'm this close, just turning the whole shit off. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm just Damn. this close. If it wasn't for a couple of women, it might give me a chance. It <laughs> been off. You know, we listen to the shorts, we listen to the clips, we listen to the TikToks, and we get excited about those shorts. We don't never take the whole thing in. I, I knew right away when I heard it on the Breakfast Club. That when they start saying things, they was offended by things. I was like, wait, there's something fishy here. Something's totally fishy. I yeah. watched it myself and I was like, oh my God, this man is talking about somebody's life. And yeah. they took one part like he was talking against the whole community. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all got stuff messed up. I'm not even sure if those people that are complaining they even watch the whole damn thing or even understanding of it. All right. Uh, what's real? What about you? Uh, what, what's your take on, I guess, the question or the stand up as a whole? You know, I think there's a lot of great, you know, 
great areas, and I think Dave Chappelle does like a good job of just like in Boston, especially with definitely parts like I didn't agree with and things that he said. I was like, oh, like you know, they were like cringy and parts I didn't like necessarily like you know with points of view. So I was like, I, I don't think that's true, or you know, I didn't I didn't like connect with. Uh, but I think a lot of his like. I will say his overall points that he was trying to make and the way that he was trying to make them and the way he was making connections, I thought was was very brilliant. Uh, and I thought, you know, he had a lot of uh, good things to say. And, you know, his comparisons, I think, were accurate in the way that, you know, cancel culture, you know, I don't want to, like, give away part of the ending, but, you know, cancel culture is important, but, you know, it's got to be weary up to the point that, you know, what does it stand for and, like, whose lives are being affected? You know, the friend of, of Dave Chappelle was uh, highly affected by standing up for Dave Chappelle to the point that, you know, seems counterintuitive to what, you know, it seems like the cause was. I thought a lot of his overall points were, were uh, very valid in the way that he compared, you know, how, how certain comments, you know, get taken. Wanted to watch it and hope that, you know, open more dialogue and, you know, and just like, you know, uh, different marginalized communities being pissed against get each other because I feel like that's kind of what's happening and it feels like you know uh what, what he's asking for it's like you know we need to come together like I feel like that was one of the closing remarks in the course like if you really pay attention it's like we need to have a conversation we're not on the same page like you think I'm here to attack you I'm not here to attack you like we need we need to find a way to be on the same page because you think I'm punching down and I'm not I'm everything's level like I, I make fun of everyone you know everyone he said like it then like I'm gonna stop I'm not talking about this. I'm done. We need to have a, a mutual understanding until we have not wait so much. We have a mutual understanding for me to continue. And I think that's important. I agree with both, both of you guys said, as far as I do definitely agree with the conversation that needs to happen. Um, and I agree that, you know, it was real genius how he was, he set up all the jokes for like the point he was trying to push through at the end. And, you know, I'm, I'm from an older generation like Pedro, where I am a little less sensitive. Like the John Gruden remarks didn't upset me that much. I mean, I was shocked by him, but it didn't upset me. And, and to me, that's what it, that, that was a bigger deal. You know, for as far as the Chappelle show, I agree with Pedro as far as like, yeah, it should start a conversation to come together. But it's also, it's an art form, right? Just like some people used to get offended by when, you know, the statue of David or or someone painting nudity, right? Uh, it's, it's art. It's art. I mean, you know, and the, the, the great thing about life is we can choose to put ourselves in positions where we could not be offended by things, right? I feel like there's right now we're in a place where some people go out and it's like, they knew, like, all right, I know he's saying some, some, some trans jokes and I know it's going to affect me, but I'm going to go watch this. It's like, no, back in the day, you knew who to watch. You knew who to, who not to watch, right? I mean, I'd rather it's out in the open. When we start pushing that shit to the dark web and pushing it to the back doors is where we are now. And then you start getting really, really bad and distasteful hate comes out of it, right? Not to say hate's not behind it or whatever's behind it, but when it's on the forefront, it's not as, it's not as scary as when it's, you know, when all of a sudden it's in the back and then next thing you know, you got militias coming out of Idaho, Montana, things like that when it gets pushed down. When some of the bigots had Don Imus to turn to and listen to, right? Like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to listen to Don Imus and hear him say a little bit of bigotry and, you know, talk about the 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 North Carolina basketball team. I mean, excuse me, the Rutgers women's basketball team and then being nappy-headed hoes and all that. And if you wanted to be a bigot and, and, and enjoy that, you went to it. 
But now when we start canceling those things, then they go and they find it in darker places. Like even Howard Stern had a network that kind of still kind of put the brakes on some of his shit, right? Mm. Now you go to these places where the brakes aren't there. The protections aren't there, right? And, and that's my only problem with cancel culture. It's like, what's the reason behind it, right? Like, and, and are we using it correctly? Is it being used correctly, right? For me, every time, if you cancel someone for being an asshole, that doesn't help start the conversation behind it, right? That doesn't start getting people to talk. It, it pushes them back and pushes them into, it's like it's like they're being attacked, right? And, and these are the polarizing, I, I think cancel culture pushes us more into polarizing, the polarizing of the country that we are. Yes, and we are going there, right? There's nothing before, there was nothing wrong with, look, not everyone's gonna have the same opinion and there's nothing wrong with having different opinions. But for some reason, we're in a place where we start vo- viewing it as wrong and then, you know what? I had my different opinion. Like, let's say I did, let's say I did have a different opinion. You know, I grew up like Pedro, I grew up in the church. Now I don't have an opinion. I I mean, I'm not, I'm okay. I'm more than okay. But you know, there's certain things and certain values we were taught in the church that older people and the people from the South that weren't okay with, right? Now, and if they kept it to themselves and not, you know, interact and treated people well, that was the most important thing Then, you know, long as people get equal rights and treated well and are respected, I think that's just as important. So I yeah. don't know, you know? I, I think I think it speaks to something that um, I think he was trying to articulate in the stand-up. And I think part of it is, well, for me, like, I understand why some of the things he said, although they were jokes, so I'm taking it with a grain of salt as jokes or like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to say the thing that you shouldn't say because I'm a comedian and this is something sometimes people are going to be thinking or feeling that uncertainty when they're put in a situation that they are unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with or, um, you know, uh, yeah. And so in that way, like you say that and sometimes as a punchline or as a as a concept and and yeah, like it's it could be a little cringy or it can be depending on who you are. But if you go into it with the understanding that like this is comedy. Um, it's meant to poke fun. Like I know for us, like we make fun of like ignorant nigga shit all the time, right? And granted, like we're and dead we, people and dead people. We and Drake, um, and we have we have a, a connection to the community that would be deemed termed uh, termed or you know saying uh, experienced a, a nigga experience and ignorant nigga shit, right? And you know it's funny when Dave Chappelle is calling out ignorant nigga shit, right? Everyone's laughing at it. It's good. And that's one of the things he said. I walked away from $50 million because, you know, saying it was turning into a form of, you know, saying cooning out in a way that wasn't about the joke of equally articulating his perspective or calling out the the, the, the equality of being able to be joked on. And, and it's OK, as long as I'm only staying in this lane, you know, saying like, what, why can't like if we are ever to truly be equals and be on an equal plane, not punching up and punching down like I, sh- I need to be able to like joke about you. And you, he can he can talk about the whites. He can talk about ignorant nigga shit, right? But is that is that where his comedy is to stay? Is that is that how he is going to expand the either art form or the dialogue between these marginalized groups? Um, and I think he talked about that with the the, the Clifford the big the big nigga Clifford <laughs> joke. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like but it's always just a broken heart because we're just big Negroes and it's okay. Like playing on those tropes, that idea that like we could take the brunt of this. Black people can always take the brunt of the the worst the worst society has to give but we can't joke about you you know what i'm saying and the, talk about the baby like 
black people can can get the worst trauma or the worst experience that to be associated with but don't joke about these other marginalized groups and it's like that's not how we create intersectionality that's not how we actually create you know what i'm saying a connectedness that sees people as equals and as on the same playing field if we can't joke about certain things now i understand in the moment in time moments in time certain groups and certain people are going to be more sensitive because of you know what has occurred to them historically societally but to get there and to get to what people would hopefully one day idealize as a post-racial society not gonna happen but a society where people are equal across these these different lines of identity like we got to be able to like talk shit about each other i think as in his way he's like if i could talk shit about you i see you as equal or i see you as somebody that's not better than me or below me you're a person that i could talk shit about you represent something that i could talk shit about because it is like he said a human experience in existence. That's like, that is what we're all doing on this planet, right? We're all living in experience and with different uh, ways of, you know, having opinions or, or seeing things, but also different experiences, but all still one and the same. So like, for me to speak on you is for me to put you as an equal to me, not as somebody below me, you know what I'm saying? And I don't think his, his rhetoric or his jokes were blatantly, you know, derogatory, but I understand. And I do want to say like, I can understand where somebody who, is trans or has, uh, or is an ally to trans, uh, trans people or LGBTQ people could feel offense to some of the jokes he says. And that's valid and fair. You can feel that offense. No one's saying that you shouldn't feel offended if you feel offended. But also, what do you do when you feel offended? Do you take the offense and you know shout, shout the loudest? Do you take the offense, process it and move forward? Do you start a dialogue? Do you learn and just you know you know find your way? Like Aaron said, find like if you don't like Dave Chappelle because he tells us turn it jokes, off, turn it off, like turn yeah. it off. That's but, what I do when I feel offended. I yeah. turn something off. There's different I ways get that offended you can by Drake's music. I turn it off. Yeah, but when you but when you force that offense onto the onto other groups, then we start to get into another power dynamic. So I I don't know I I'm I I was not offended because of the jokes because I'm not you know of those, that marginalized communities. But also I wasn't offended because I also understood they were jokes. Um, and so for anybody who does feel offended, I would just say, you know, if you want to try and watch the whole thing, if you uh, feel offended by some of the concepts he's talking about, ask yourself why and where do we go with that feeling of offense? Because um, it, in the end, I, I feel as though it's, it's, it's jokes. And like, like one of the ways, at least in, you know, my community as a, as, as a person, as an individual living this experience, but also as a person of color, like I talk shit about you a little bit. I'll, you know, that's like one of, I think the ways that we show love and endearment and also connection to people like Aaron and Pedro, they're like basically brothers. They talk shit about each other, make jokes about each other all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like we- I'm, I'm definitely offended by a lot of things he says. I just hold it in because my, um, I was learned in to mask in all my emotions. From the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I definitely keep stuff in too, especially like uh like usually when I leave his wife house when he at work. <laughs> <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers rejected a trade offer from the 76ers for three first round picks and three pick swaps to get Ben Simmons and bring him into Portland. Um I guess the question is. Were the Portland Trailblazers tripping or just playing, doing uh, doing smart basketball? 
I'm caught in between, Jared. I'm caught in between. I, I get your point. You know, uh, this is what I'm caught in between. Deep inside myself, I think they should have took it, right? Like, we all know the draft has been shitty. You just get lucky, right? You get lucky, and you probably get luckier without a lottery pick than you will with a lottery pick, a later round pick that you, the chances are higher. Um, and this would be like that Draymond Green kind of missing piece that can kind of help them, kind of help them, you know, they get an all-star caliber player that's that finally a perimeter defender, something they don't have, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a guy that can pass the ball and push the fast break. Because if Damian Lillard, yes, he could push the fast break. Yes, he could. He, but, I mean, let's be real. He, he, he's great at scoring for himself. He's great at playing for himself. So you get more of an unselfish player. Uh, so part of me believes, yes, Portland Trailblazers are stupid. They should have did that. They should have just easily, easily took Ben Simmons off their hands for three picks. And don't you dare play that music. Uh, <laughs> They should have easily done it for those three picks. But part of me understands, like, for some reason, the jackasses that are general managing all these teams now and the owners are convinced that draft picks are worth a lot. That's why you're seeing these huge picks and people getting traded for first round. Week, week, and I'm like, that's why there's more trades now than there ever was before. Because for some reason, people are counting draft picks as all this collateral even though it means nothing because half the picks don't pick, they're not good. Right. But for some reason, owners think and general managers think that they are worth just a lot. Draft more. picks, draft picks cost the Boston Celtics, maybe <laughs> a, either a chance at a championship or winning a championship. You're talking about recently, right? And recently I'm talking about yeah, recently. I agree. I agree. Uh, um, because they got the generational, they got, they, you got uh, talent that, you know, and they had all those picks. They already had Taylor. Tatum. They had yeah, five what are you picks, doing with and picks? they had Tatum picks. and Brown on the roster. And they had five picks. And as you see, it's just shitty. There's a bunch of shitty players, right? Right. But you got the known, the known people that you know Ben Simmons. Okay, he can't shoot, but guess what he can do? Defend the hell out of everything. And he, and he can pass. <laughs> and, and he, he can, can pass. pass. And he, he can make pass. plays. He makes so, plays. You know that what you have right there, your commodity, what you have, okay, they want these picks, they can have them because nobody knows what's coming in the future. Them, them kids, shit, the asteroid could be coming and knock us all out. Just make <laughs> the on. move, man. It, it's like, I, I, yeah, that's it, what you, and then, then you watch Boston. You watch Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I had all that talent. Uh, there was one piece away. There was one big man away. And they sat up there, and that's why Danny A's ain't running the team no more because he was holding picks like he was playing Uno or some shit. <laughs> you you got to get the now. You got to you know what you get now. You know the talent's there, and if somebody wants those picks, you give it to them. 100% agree with him. I was looking at it, and, and Aaron, you originally said they were smart not to take the picks. I originally said that, yeah. And... Mm-hmm. And then I had to send oh. you a, a log of their draft picks that the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> have had. And this is this this comes down to, and this is where I, I you know I feel like I won because I got Aaron to somewhat change his mind did, on this. Because when we look at it, and Aaron's spoken on how Portland's kind of in a purgatory of draft picks where they, they're always too good to get a top draft pick, but right, they're in the they, middle. Yeah, in the middle. And then but they they don't draft well enough, or just there's not enough the chances of getting somebody that's really good. Uh, is going to come with some kind of, you know, asterisks or they're just going to be garbage in those that, that, that you know, late teens, uh, early 20s draft pick. Um, and they keep making the playoffs, so it's not helping them. But uh, after Damian Lillard was drafted in 2012, um, 
these are the picks that they and, and, and let's look at Damian Lillard's draft year, 2012. They drafted Damian Lillard with the uh, number six pick in 2012. They then got Myers Leonard, that that racist, non-racist speaking motherfucker, who I don't understand why people watching him on Twitch. Will so. Barton, whoever who's overrated, but all you guys love. Oh, but Will Barton, but they had Will Barton in the second round and uh, Tayshawn Taylor. That's, that's a good draft. It was a solid. I have no draft. idea who that is. It was a productive Will draft. Will Barton plays for. Uh, Denver oh, Nuggets. Denver. Will Barton's Denver. a good player. Oh, yeah, Denver, player. that's right. He's a, that's he's right. a solid piece. He's a he's solid, a solid he piece. He's a solid piece. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I know who he is now. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Will Barton, who's a, who's a quality NBA player. He's a he's a glue player. He, he's, he's a glue a, player, and he's good enough. He's a plus. Like, there's some games where player. he's going to have, like, 27, 30. Right. But he's, he's a, he, yeah, he's a plus glue player. He's a very plus player. Yeah. All right, so then after that, you have 2013. They get CJ McCollum in the first round. Uh, undersized. Uh, sneaky Tuzo. pick. That was a sneaky was a, pick. A good pick. is, a, is That's their last quality pick, in my opinion. They've had. When did they pick? was number 10? Yeah, 2013. Oh, they got uh, <laughs> Jeff Withy, Grant Jarrett, and Marco oh, Fedosevic. Just... Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not going to talk about those dudes because they don't play in the league anymore, I don't think. Maybe Jeff nope. Withy is on, like, OKC, backing up the other big white dudes that are playing center unnecessarily on that team. But anyways, then in 2015, they, 2014, they didn't have picks. 2015, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, uh, m- mediocre player at best. Mediocre at best. 2017, Justin Jackson out of UNC with their first round pick number they 15. Traded pick. Him. He never played there. Yeah. Harry him. Giles at the 20th pick, and then Caleb Swanigan at the 26th pick in the first round. So they had three first round picks in 2017. None of those guys have panned out. Two of them are not, not even on the team anymore. Um, and then you got uh, 2018, Anthony Simmons with the 24th pick. They're getting. These, maybe maybe they thought these, it was Anthony Hardaway. Maybe they did. They they're getting all these guys in the late teens, to early twenties, or middle twenties. Then in 2019, they got uh, Nasir Little out of UNC. <laughs> I don't know who the they, fuck. I maybe they the thought he was nice. Maybe they thought he was really nice, and they, they, like, they he, thought he's he gonna fill the stands. We are gonna have him rap at halftime. No, they read his name backwards. <laughs> like, hey, no, nah, Lil Nas X. That's the dude that got Old Town Road. And then, and then in 2020, they got CJL or they got Isaiah Stewart. They traded away, and he showed us some production at the end of the season. Um, and then CJL Ellaby, um, Washington State. So, in Isaiah Stewart, I know that. Yeah, much. from 2013. So basically, 2014, they didn't have any picks. On to now, 2021 uh, or 2020 draft. They've effectively, you know, what I'm saying, drafted no players that are contributing to what they do. And so, as much as you have these first round picks, they had three first round picks in 2017. Two of the motherfuckers ain't on the team. I think they traded them for somebody to, to get somebody, but whatever. And then Caleb Swanigan, like, it's none of these players, none of these first round picks that you'd be giving up are probably going to become anything, anyways. Your last, uh, yes. your last eight, your last seven first round picks are all not playing on your team anymore or are garbage, right? Other than CJ McCollum, who's the last first round pick they've had in 2013, that is a productive player, an impact player, and a that player was still a around. that was still a lottery pick too. Mm-hmm. So I just feel as though like Portland, what do you have to lose? I agree. Lillard's not getting yeah. younger. Uh, CJ McCollum has already had health, uh, you know, injury issues in the past. He's not getting younger. Uh, he if had he- less injuries than damn uh, Damian Lillard. Yeah. Well, Lillard's Lillard's played pretty much. He's been pretty. He's been pretty sturdy. Um. But like you, you can either trade this and get a player who's gonna make up for the size deficiency on your perimeter and be able to start guarding that two guard and be that guy who's like, all right, you're gonna take the two guard. They're scoring guard. They're scoring wing. 
you're taking them. You know what I'm saying? We can't guard them with the two undersized guards we have. Yeah. And 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 we can't keep having these, you know, these guys that are like defensive specialists, but also not very good on offense that, you know, can't, you know, maybe help facilitate more on offense for us. Yeah. Ben Simmons, you can step in and be that guy who can't shoot, but you can be a, a really good defensive player on the perimeter. And you could at least help create openings for CJ McCollum, Lillard, help them hopefully maybe age a little bit more gracefully and be able to take some of the pressure off them having to go one on one all the motherfucking time. Right. Um, yeah. So. You know, I, I think Portland is playing scared and they're going to lose Lillard soon anyways. And they're going to be rebuilding from square one because either Lillard's going to be like, y'all going to either rebuild and give me get some real players in here or we're just going to scrap the whole thing. Let me go play with the Lakers for a title. Well, let's get to Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs is a segment we end the show on where everyone gets the, the floor to rank and playing or shed positive light on something they just want to give a shout out to and illuminate for the rest of y'all. So, Cutty Corner shout-outs. Cutty Corner shout-outs. It's time. It's time. We're burning out. God, if you listen, help. So cold and bleeding now, now, now. I meant what it meant. Gonna let you down. He had sex with my mama. We're broken. Do you have a cutty corner shout out? You know, I got so many things to complain about right now. I was trying to find one. You know, usually I write stuff in my phone, but I think I went, I think I gave the last two weeks, I gave you two cutty corner shout outs. I can't even like save anything. But this one, uh, so I get this one coming from the top of the head. Then my cutty corner shout out goes out to Gabrielle Union and not just her, but all the celebrities that think their lives are that important that they got to write. A, a biography and some shit like that right and you gotta and, and just try to make it as entertaining as possible and talk about how when you got divorced you went through all these fuck boys and this and that and how this i mean just it's just basically a gossip column book i like reading i like reading i like reading fiction i'll be honest i fucking i'm not a big non-fiction person i'm a bit i'm a fiction I, I get a little into a little bit of non-fiction but for me reading is something that i enjoy taking away and the problem is when celebrities write these books, I, you always see people walking around with them like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just read this book. I'm reading this now. And it's almost like being on Twitter or TikTok where it's just like showing off what you're reading. And it, it's not sustainable, right? Find a genre, people out there. Find a book that you like. Find a series. Find a writer that you like and stick to it. Stop buying all these celebrity books where she just putting all this, uh, did I use this term right, Jared? So lacious things in there. Talking about all the fuck boys she went through and how she felt when she found out Dwayne Wade impregnated another woman and she, she couldn't get pregnant and things like this. And, and, then she, and then she's making a circuit so it keeps popping up on my Yahoo feed. I'm not, I'm like, God damn it, man. I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to Yahoo so I can just see what the fuck is. That's just my homepage, man. Right? Ain't got nothing to do anything. And it's just Gabrielle Union this. And, and no, no, no offense to Gabrielle Union. I mean, I hope she put in it how she started dating Dwayne Wade while he was still married to his wife and not separated from her. I hope she put shit in there like that. No, that <laughs> shit ain't in there. So to the celebrities, I keep writing books, man, and then put that shit out, man. You're just wasting paper. We're killing trees for you. Just bullshit. Just go on a talk show and talk your shit and make your jokes and do whatever you got to do. Leave the books for the good writers. There's a lot of quality writers out there that don't get attention. Publishers don't put all the money in there to, to promote their books and everything they do. And so 
Yeah, so that that's my cutty corner. Gabrielle uh, and her books and all that. Uh, indirect shout out to Aaron. Uh, tell us your age without telling us your age. Yahoo is my home screen. <laughs> my home screen, man. You keep Yahoo as the home screen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? Uh, yes, I do. Um, also, um, Gabrielle Union is always going to be on my Cutty Corner shout out. Uh, it's a rant because she invented irregular sex for these women uh, trying to take control of the man in the bedroom. <laughs> so she she's always going to be on my Cutty Corner. Uh, my Cutty Corner shout out goes to people that need likes. Bring us back to the Chappelle special. Um, bring us back to just just the internet, internet in general. Um, there's a lot of lot of also there's a lot of racist things going on that people are recording. Uh, cameras out. It's camera season, I guess. I don't know. I guess it's always been camera season, really. We're videotaping Karens. We videotaping racist acts. We're videotaping, or the police are actually videotaping their self. Acting a fool, pulling paraplegic people out of cars. Um, uh, so my cutty corner shout out goes to just getting likes. I don't know if this is, is an attention grab. People wanting to be liked by, how do I say this? Like they just want, we, we know like all the racist things happen. And it seems like it's getting, it's getting stale. We're just recording instead of and putting it on the internet instead of doing something or writing your Congress people, writing the mayor, may, writing the sheriff's office or whatever it needs to do to stop all this, all these uh, heinous acts. And we just put them out there so people can watch and they'll have somebody else fight for you. What you need to be doing is getting the community together and doing something to get these people fired or get these people um, put out the community that are being heinous to the community. Instead of putting it on the internet for likes, because I think we're putting this stuff on here. I mean, look at look look at what this guy's doing. Look at this racist thing this guy's doing. Look at all this racism. And we're not putting no action to it. Marching doesn't do anything. We need to go to to officials. Stop putting the stuff on TikTok. Record it. Have the evidence. But stop putting the stuff on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, whatever y'all using now, because it's starting to get silly. To the point, yeah, I know, we know. Yeah, there is race. White people don't like you. We get it. It's time to do something about it. It's time to do something about it. I don't I don't want to see the video of it. It's just too much, there's too much, uh, there's too many videos. And I'm like, okay, we, we get your black, get your real black leader, like Jared or somebody. Y'all get together in the community, have, have um, talk, have somebody call, just write letters into the to, to the police department. I don't need to see you making videos of it going by. I was getting a lot of that this week for some reason. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, we know white people, police don't like us. We understand that it's time to do something about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people acting like shit new. Yeah. Like, oh, man, oh, man. Black, people in the, black people in the 60s didn't have to go through this. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, we we've been seeing this for it's just all it's been it's time to we, it's we might have a fight little, back. We might have a little easier. They had dogs and shit like that, and they yeah. got arrested after for no reason. Exactly. You get your ass beat in dingo to jail, and everybody outside singing kumbaya. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Outside the jailhouse. Now they videotaping and putting it up for lights. My Cutty Corner shout out goes out to Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Derek Carr, the greatest quarterback, statistically speaking, in Raiders history. You are so good. You are too good. You know what happened this past week? Joey Bosa pissed you off. And, and you told him good job for that and, you know, brushed him off. And then you came out and said, you're not going to renegotiate your contract. Motherfucker, you better start negotiating now. Try and get some money because your ass is weak. You ain't a leader of men, okay? You are not a leader of men. That's all. I'm not even going any further than that. You are not a real leader of men. You are, a, you are a puff daddy of men. You are faking it. You're faking it. You're faking your lyrics. You're sampling everybody else's swag. And then you're over here acting, walking around with your chest puffed, chest puffed out like you're actually doing something. You literally act like you're doing stuff. You, 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 you are annoyingly mediocre at best. So Derek Carr, sit your ass down. Be humble. Pray to why Jesus and be humble. Pray that he gives you the strength to not be a poo butt ass motherfucker in that huddle or on that field every Sunday. Because as of now, you got real lucky that you caught people off guard. You ain't looking so good, player, player. I got you on my fantasy team. I'm going to hold on to you, though. I'm going to hold on to you. See if you why can write this ship. Why you hold on to him, man? Because it looked like he all bad. He down the drain, Jared. I'm holding on to him because, you know, I just think he might be able to provide me with some depth and quality play as a backup quarterback is what you should be, motherfucker. My second cutty corner shout-out goes out to uh, to Deontay Wilder. Uh, you went out on your shield last night, brother. You, uh, you put up a, a hell of a fight. Um, you came in 20-plus pounds heavier than you normally fight at. And that all muscle. I think that served to be the thing that was part of your downfall. Um, you came in, you know, you, you, you bared the weight against him. You tried to be a bigger so you can manage that. But it also fatigued to the point where you were gassed. Like you didn't have it. It wasn't that you was getting knocked out as much as you was fatigued, exhausted and getting knocked out. Um, but you took down uh, Fury two times. You hit him twice, put him down twice. You know, saying showed a much better game plan. You were much more active. And not, you know, just being beaten on throughout the fight. Um, so I got to give you a shout out for for at least showing a little bit more uh, acumen and growth as a boxer. And it gives me hope that, you know, you can continue to develop and evolve your games. You know, maybe not not as much as we all might like, but enough to the point where where you can um, continue to be uh, relevant in the heavyweight division. And maybe one day get back around, win a few fights, come back and t- take Fury on one more time if if the cards play out right. But uh Shout out goes to that fight. It was a it was a pretty entertaining fight last night. Uh, Tyson Fury hats off to him uh, for you know saying being a boxer and you know you heard his cornerman being like, hey, this is the plan. Set the trap. This is the plan. Set the trap. They they knew they knew they knew as the fight went on, Wilder was gonna fatigue. You got to know when you put on that much that much weight um, and that much muscle, you know your cardio has to be at a completely different level. Um, And and you can't you can't run around cut up at two forty after bulking up like that and expect to go 12 rounds without getting gassed potentially. And I think that was, that was the, you know, he, he went out on his shield. He went out with his best shots. He tried to finish him, couldn't finish him. And uh, you know, saying at that point, it was like, well, it's just a war of attrition now. And and, and Fury was, uh, was the better man. So shout out to that boxing match. A uh, good fight. Um, I don't think this story is done. And I, I hope to see more from Wilder and Fury. Uh, we'll see who Fury fights next though. Cause really who is there to fight? Usyk, baby, Usyk. Man, I can't believe you're gonna say he 
That was a better boxing hit. He threw one uppercut, so that made it a better boxing. It wasn't the uppercut. It was the active jab he was putting out there to the body. He was, and... but he was leaving his face wide open. No, no, and, he put that jab out. And he, that's that he's was still where... not a box. He's not. He's not. A, he's not a great boxer, and he's fighting somebody who actually has the advantage on him lengthwise. He's never. And Sweet so science, baby. It's a, that's, that's, that's why I said I wanted to get inside more and exchange more inside. He didn't do that as much, but he did throw when he was getting inside. He wasn't just I think he know how to throw punches inside. I don't think yeah, he knows how to that's, you gotta you gotta adapt your game to to, to fight Dude, all best so, comers. So the streamer that I was using, it was great, but it was the British. It was the British network, right? So <laughs> here's a crazy thing. It didn't show no it only show, very rarely showed Allegedly, yeah, allegedly you was the one using. I was allegedly using. Uh, it barely, rarely showed a replay, but it showed the corner men talking the whole time, right? And the greatest, craziest thing is, when it around, after, you know, during the beating, when towards the later rounds, mm-hmm. this corner man's like, you got this, you got this, just do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you got this, man. You got this. What round is it? He turned to the other counter guy and said, what round is it? And they're like, I don't know. That tell you what kind of stigma. And also, Tyson Fury, corner man, Sugar, whatever his name is. Stop putting your, if you gotta put your nickname on your hat, then you got a shitty nickname. You might as well just put on a name tag that says, hello, my name is, and put your nickname on it. But that's how shitty your nickname is. I gotta walk around with a hat that says Sugar. <laughs> Guess what, Sugar Ray Robinson never had to put anything in. Sugar Ray Leonard, marvelous Marvin Hagler, to get it changed legally. He, he changed it legally, because he wanted to make sure you called him marvelous Marvin Hagler. He changed it legally to marvelous Marvin Hagler. You got a nickname. Magic ain't never had to put the shit on anything. He didn't have to write magic on the back of his jersey. Nah, man, he ain't really, really don't have to say magic. If you got a nickname, and people ain't calling you that nickname, and you gotta put on a hat or a shirt or something, then it's all bad, man. Just go by your first name, dog. Well, that is our show, my friends. That is our show. Any final words y'all got uh, you like to say out to our fans out there? Got a shout out. This is a happy time of year for sports. We got baseball. You know what? Nothing beats. Sometimes postseason disappoint in other sports. Baseball postseason never disappoints. I get it that it never disappoints. Every pitch, every sport, every matchup matters. Then you got football. We, we enter in the second quarter of the football season. Things are revving up. You got basketball season about to start up. This is the happiest time in basketball because everybody supposedly got a chance. I lied to themselves. <laughs> uh, so this is this is a good sports year, man. It's a good sports. Year. Alabama lost last night. Yeah, it's getting good. It's getting. This is the fall. The autumn wind is here, unless you dare car. Shit, hot outside. <laughs> hey, weak motherfucker. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, Pedro, any final words? Just waiting for the basketball season. Baseball. Get this baseball playoffs. So it's my favorite, favorite, favorite year of the month when it comes to sports. Not everything. Though. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our show. Uh, shout out to all the people out there. Shout out to our Irish brethren shout out to our people on the east coast maryland uh, virginia uh florida uh you know uh, minnesota oregon seattle uh, cali cali arizona folks and uh yeah keep tapping in with us and keep sending us out and we will leave you with this All right, well, um, 
I got a quick game I want to play with you, and then we're going to get into some other stuff. But um, so what's real? You said that, you know, Hot Ones, the show with hot sauces, hot sauce and hot ones yeah. is uh, is something that you're interested in. And uh, I thought, I watched, you know. I watched almost every episode. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Best episode, in your opinion, on that show. Best guest on that show. Man. That's really hard to pick one, but I'm, I'm going to say Gordon Ramsay. It was just funny to watch him. It was just like, it was interesting. Um, you know, Gordon Ramsay was very much Gordon Ramsay. He was being a giant baby, too, which is hilarious to see Gordon mm -hmm. Ramsay just like um, kind of under pressure from the wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's so many good ones. I mean, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Shaq, uh, Trevor Noah, uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Uh, the it was uh what was a guy from Jackass who like took the last dab and put it in his eyelids? Oh, and, like Steve O. Yeah, Steve O. Drank the entire last bottle. Yeah, he he he's a glutton for pain. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I okay. mean, yeah, he, that, he, that he's he's part of the reason behind Ryan beats in life have to do the work they do. Exactly, <laughs> he needs some therapy. He definitely needs some therapy. He needs some milk. That's what he needs. <laughs> no, he needs some milk. Um, all right. Well, we have our own hot ones uh, game that doesn't have to do with eating, but it has to do with a game we played called hot sauce or metal bands. So what's real? Here's what I'm gonna do. These are some of the same ones that Aaron and Pedro got in the game. Aaron is our current champion, by the way. Aaron shout out sponsorship as being our hot sauce or metal band champion. To beat Pedro, I'm very competitive. To beat Pedro, <laughs> you got to get at least three in a row. To beat Aaron, okay. you got to get at least five in a row. Okay? okay, and you get one lifeline where you can ask either Aaron or Pedro uh, oh, what it is, man. and 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 depending on who you ask, they might have gotten this one, and so they might know or not remember the answer. You never know. Pedro, I would you. not remember the answer. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm gonna remember either. Aaron was. <laughs> at the game so you probably want to go with Aaron as a lifeline but so I got a list here of hot sauce or metal bands and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a name you have to tell me is that a hot sauce or a metal band all right okay that's good all right well number one what's Bubba's butt blaster I feel like that's gotta be a hot sauce yeah yeah that is correct it okay. is a hot sauce. Like, there you go. Metal band's gonna be like, we are Bubba's Bandmaster. Yeah, we're gonna rock your ass. Like, what the hell? No, no, no. All right, all right. So what's real? You got one down so far. Okay, good, good, good. The next one, Atomic Venomizer. Feels like it could be either. It's definitely not one that's been on hot ones. <laughs> what was it? Atomic what? Venomizer. Metal band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> that is correct. It is a metal band. It's a, a thrash metal band from Japan, apparently. <laughs> All right, here we go. Japan. Next one. Camel toe. Hot sauce <laughs> or metal band? Now, honestly, this should not be either of them, but we're going to get to that afterwards. Oh, God, let me think. That's a hard one. It's 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 pretty much as bad either way. I think Campbell it sounds toe. maybe a little bit less ridiculous just by a hair if it was a metal band, so I'm going to guess metal band. 
That is incorrect. Dang. It is oh, that was, a hot wow. sauce. That was that, our Chipotle that, mango hot sauce. Toe hot sauce. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel like I got that one wrong. I don't know. <laughs>